I'm excited to have you here today. And normally in an Easter service, this is the time when I would take a few minutes to try to defend the validity of the resurrection of Jesus. And I would try to convince you that he was the son of God who came to this world and died for our sins and then miraculously rose on the third day. And I would give you all the statistics and history and everything to try to prove that. But you know what? You've already heard that message, right? You've heard that year on, year on, year on. And even if it wasn't this church, you've heard it in other churches. So today, I want to talk rather about the impact that the resurrection has. How does the resurrection impact you today? Now, you just heard five stories from people who had an encounter with Jesus that changed their life. They were impacted by the resurrection. And you may have noticed that all of those stories, none of those stories, in fact, were all peaches and cream or you might say beer and Skittles. But Jesus met each and every one of those people right where they were. In, sometimes in their pain, in their loss, in their hurt, in their wandering. And he met them where they were and changed their lives forever. What does the resurrection or how does the resurrection impact you today? I want to tell you another story uh, about some people who saw Jesus right after the resurrection and it impacted them. The Gospel of Luke. Luke was one of Jesus' followers and he wrote an account. He wrote the book of Luke in our New Testament to tell us about some of the things that Jesus did. And in chapter 24 of his account, he tells us about two Jesus followers who were taking a walk. They were on their way to a place called Emmaus. Emmaus was their hometown. They had been in Jerusalem for the Passover, and now they were on their way home. The Emmaus was about 11 kilometers, so it would have been a couple-hour walk if they were walking pretty quickly. And they were on their way home, and at that moment, they were confused. They had been following Jesus for two to three years. They had seen Jesus perform miracles. They had seen him heal people. They had seen his, or heard his teaching. They had decided that he was the Messiah and they had bought in to following him. And then, three days before, they saw Jesus crucified. They were confused. They were full of grief and loss, and they were having a big talk, if you will. They were having actually a debate, an argument on the road back home, trying to sort it all out. What was this all about? Have we invested our lives in something that wasn't worth it after all? They had also heard rumors that the body was gone, that the body that was in the tomb was now gone. And it says that they were debating about all these things. They were in a bit of a heated argument is what the, the scriptures really tell us. And that's kind of what happens to us. Sometimes in our middle of our grief and our loss, we actually end up arguing and hurting people because we're hurting. I don't know if anybody can identify with that or not. But that's what they were doing. And in the midst of that, look at what happens here. In verse 15, while they're having this debate, it says, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short. Sadness written across their faces. 
So Jesus shows up. They're talking about Jesus, and then he shows up right beside them. Have you ever been talking to someone about someone else, and then you turn around, and there that person is? Yeah, yeah. That's kind of awkward, isn't it? Well, it would have been awkward for them, but they didn't recognize him. They didn't know that it was Jesus. He showed up while they're talking about him, and they think he's a stranger. And Jesus uh, asked them some questions. He says, what were you talking about? Because he could see on their faces the hurt, the pain, the grief, the loss. One of them named Cleopolis responded to him, and he said, basically, you must be the only person in Jerusalem that hasn't heard about this, maybe the only person in the world, because this has gone viral about Jesus. Where have you been? And then Jesus said, what things are you talking about? Jesus knows what things they're talking about, but but look at how they responded to Jesus. Cleopolis said, the things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles, and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. And now get this. It says, we had hoped. He was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. We had hoped. He asked them the question, what things? And he patiently listened to them tell him what he already knew. We can learn about listening from Jesus, even if we already know. Sometimes people need to to unpack what they are experiencing, what they're feeling. We should listen like Jesus did, but that's a whole other sermon series. We'll get there another day. They said, we had hoped. We had great expectations. We had committed ourselves to this. You know, when I read those two words, had hoped, there's a tremendous sense of sadness. I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life when I had hoped, when I had hoped that something was going to happen a certain way, and then it didn't. What does that bring us? It brings us disappointment, right? And loss of hope. And that's what they were experiencing here in this moment. It was so sad. And what we learn here is that when our experience is different than our expectation, we lose hope. That's what they did, and that's what you and I go through every day of our lives. When we, our experience is different than our expectations, our hope is gone. They were sad. They were discouraged. They were disappointed and delusioned, full of doubt and with no hope. Because God had not done what they expected. That's, that's what was driving their loss of hope, their delusionment right now, disillusionment right now. You see, they were following Jesus, hoping for a political rescue, a political leader who would come and rescue the nation of Israel. Essentially, they were backing Jesus to make Jerusalem great again. Okay? But that wasn't God's plan. God's plan was a cross. It's not what God had in mind. What they they were thinking was not God's plan. Their hope of rescue had literally been killed, and God had let them down. He had not come through on their terms. And friends, this is one reason so many people over the centuries have rejected God, have rejected Jesus, 
because we have a certain expectation of what God should do. And when things don't work out the way we think it should, we do a runner. We say things like, well, God's not real. That comforts us. Because if God's real, then certainly he wouldn't let me be going through what I'm going through. He would have intervened in this job situation. He would have intervened in my relationship. He would have intervened in my kid's life. He would have intervened in that person that I love that went on from this life. So God can't be trusted. God can't be good. And you know what we're doing when we say those things? We are putting ourselves in the place of God. Because we're saying, if I were God, that wouldn't have happened. That's not the way it would have worked out if I was calling the shots. We do that rather than trust that the eternal God of the universe who created you and me and the universe, everything in it, has a bigger plan than we can possibly fathom or understand. We put ourselves in that seat. Cleopolis continues the explanation talking to Jesus. He says this, then some women we're at his tomb early this morning. And they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing and they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see and sure enough, his body was gone just as the women had said. So they share this story. They said, hey, there's rumors going around that the body's gone and that maybe Jesus has risen from the dead. They called it an amazing report. You see that? Now, that sounds exciting. Wow, that's amazing. You know what the word amazing really means? It means these women were out of their mind. That's what they're, li they're literally saying. That word amazing means to be out of your mind. So English lets us down sometimes. But they're saying, hey, we didn't believe this stuff. They said there was angels. They said there's no body. The guys went and looked, and they said there's no body. But we're still not sure we're buying into this. That's what their argument and debate was all about. And then Jesus responds to them. He says this, you foolish people. You find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So Jesus is challenging them. In their explanation, they revealed their own unbelief, their lack of belief. And Jesus says, you guys are being silly. You had all this laid out before you in the Jewish scriptures, in the Old Testament scriptures, that Jesus, all those things that were happening were pointing to Jesus and that he would have to suffer. He would have to go to the cross to die and that he would be raised again. So he pointed all that out to them. And what we can learn from this, this little uh, moment where Jesus took them to school is that when our expectation is educated, it actually fuels hope. We fuel hope when we educate our expectation. Now, I'm not talking about scholarly education here and information overload. That's not what I'm talking about. Jesus' followers, his early followers, were simple people. They, they were not educated people. Jesus is saying, you started with the wrong expectations because you had misinterpreted the information. You had the information in front of you, but you missed it. Your hope was in a political rescue. You bought into the kingdom, but you missed the fact that there had to be pain and suffering first. You had bought into the crown, but you 
misunderstood that the cross was a pathway to that crown. You know, wrong expectations result in misplaced hope. And that results in us being disappointed and disillusioned in life. You know, this whole thing about uh, our educating our expectation. I loved Sam's story this morning. Did you remember Sam's story where he started in the book of Numbers? Well, if you go back from that, he actually started, okay? He wanted answers. Didn't matter where he started. He was looking for answers, and he thought, hey, maybe they're there. You know, I, I, I love it when I talk to people who they say, well, I don't believe in God, or I don't believe the Bible is full of contradictions. When they say it's full of contradictions, I say, which one? And then they, they go silent. But I say, I don't believe the Bible. And then sometimes the next question is, have you ever read the Bible? Oh, no. Sometimes our expectation needs to be educated a little bit. Sometimes we need to look and discern and seek to know whether it's true or not. So this, they're on this road. Jesus is with them, and they, they're getting close to their hometown. They're getting close uh, to Emmaus. And uh, Jesus acted like he was going to go ahead and leave, and he probably would have went ahead and left. But they begged him to stay and come in and spend the night with them. And then they were having dinner, and this is what happened. It says, as they sat down to eat, he took bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Sound familiar? If you're a church person, you've done this many, many times with communion. Then it says, suddenly their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. Friends, when our experience gets interrupted by an encounter with Jesus, we find hope. When our expectations are educated, we fuel hope. But when our experience gets interrupted by an encounter with Jesus, we find hope, friends. That's what you heard about today from all these testimonies. And that's what you see in these guys that were on the road to Emmaus. Their eyes were open. They realized Jesus has been with us all along. That was Jesus. We were talking about him. and That was him. Their eyes are opened. And they, uh, Jesus was there when they were distraught and doubting. He met them where they were. And now their experience had been enlightened by that encounter. And this is what they said to each other. He said, didn't our hearts burn within us? as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us. And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 disciples and the others who had gathered with them, who said, the Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. So they turned around and they went back. The penny dropped and they accepted that Jesus was alive, that he had risen from the dead. They stopped what they were doing and went back the other way. Their hearts that had been burdened were now burning. Remember they were burdened. They were so distraught. And now it says, didn't our hearts burn when he was talking to us? Even when he was talking to us and they were still not sure there was something going on. There was a stirring in their hearts. Their hearts were burning because they knew in deep down inside that what this person was saying was true. That it was pointing back to Jesus they had walked away from Jerusalem, discouraged, disappointed, disillusioned, and without hope. And now they are walking back to Jerusalem, encouraged, excited, engaged, enthusiastic, any other E words you want, and filled with hope. 
That's what an encounter with Jesus will do for you. Can anyone here relate to discouragement, disappointment, disillusionment, being without hope? I know I can sometimes. And if you came here today, and that's where you find yourself when you walked in this room or when you tuned in online, I want to encourage you that you can find hope today. I want to encourage you that although each and every one of us can relate to those guys on the road to Emmaus, we have our own road to Emmaus at times where life has not worked out the way we thought, where our experience has not been what we expected, and we're disappointed, we are disillusioned, we're discouraged. We thought things would be different by now. That job that you've got, that, that you've been doing for all these years, and you thought that was just a temporary thing, and you thought something would happen. That relationship that you're in, that you've been struggling with for a decade, and you're thinking this is going nowhere. You thought it would be different by now. Your finances are a wreck, and again, you thought it would be different by now. Your kids are off the rails, and you thought it would be different by now. Can anyone relate to any of these things? We even prayed for these things. Sometimes you pray for decades about someone who you love and don't have a relationship with anymore. And where's God? He's disappointing us because he's not showing up and doing what we expect. Unmet expectations have led you and me many times to disappointment, discouragement, and left us disillusioned. In that place, often we try to fix it. Any fixers in the room? I am such a stinking fixer. Oh, it's so frustrating. Because you know what I found out? And I'm actually still learning this all the time. I don't want to admit this. And none of you fixers are going to want to hear this. But there are some things that can't be fixed in this life. There really are. And as disappointing as that is, you know, we try to fix things, and when we can't fix them, then we turn to other things to dull our pain. Maybe drugs, alcohol, bad relationships, you know, whatever it might be. And we still find ourselves without hope. Maybe today you can identify with those disciples that were on the road to Emmaus and were without hope. But today, I want to give you a chance. I want to invite you to take a chance. I want to invite you to experience an encounter with Jesus and find hope. You can do that today. If you walked in here without hope, you can walk out today with hope. But you need an encounter with Jesus what does an encounter with Jesus look like? Well, it's probably not going to look like him joining you in your car or as you're walking down the road. But it could be that your encounter with Jesus just happened here today. You saw people sharing stories of faith and then being baptized. While I've been talking today, your heart has been burning, just like the guys on the road to Emmaus when I'm sharing the truth about Jesus with you. There's something in your heart that's saying, oh, I know, I know, I know I need to say yes to Jesus. I know I need that. I need that today. I know I do. Your heart's burning. That, my friends, 
is sparking an encounter with Jesus for you. That's fueling your hope. I'm going to ask everyone in the room right now to bow your head and close your eyes. So I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to ask for a response. And if I could have the house lights, please, that'd be great. Is that you? You came in today feeling hopeless, but there's something in you. There's that feeling that's saying, I know I need to make a response to Jesus today. I need to say yes to Jesus. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to just quietly lift up your hand because I want to pray for you and I want to lead you in a prayer here in just a minute. If that's you today, I need to say yes to Jesus. Thank you. I see that hand. I see that hand. Yes, thank you. Thank you. I see that hand in the middle. Others, others, yes, thank you. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Lots of people saying yes to Jesus today. Hallelujah. Praise God. Anyone else? You'd say, hey, Pastor, include me in this prayer. Include me in this prayer. All right, if you just raised your hand or if you didn't raise your hand but you you needed to, I'm going to say a prayer for you in this prayer. Basically, you're going to be telling, telling God that you know your life's been a mess and that you're a sinner and that Jesus died for your sins and that you want him to forgive you. But you're going to say it much simpler than that. You're going to surrender by saying, Jesus, I give you my life. That's it. That's it. So today, if you want to have that encounter with Jesus, if you want to walk out of here with hope, you came in with no hope and you want to walk out without hope, I want you to say that prayer today with me, okay? Just five simple words. Jesus, I give you my life. It's that simple. Jesus, I give you my life. If you said that prayer today, I want you to, heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I want you to look at me. I want you to just look up at me if you said that prayer today. Just look up at me. Thank you. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. If you said that prayer, that's awesome. If you just had an encounter with Jesus, that's great. I'm going to close in prayer. The band's going to come back. And when the band comes back and we sing, if you said that prayer today or if you still haven't said it, but you know I need to say yes to Jesus, there's going to be people up the front here waiting for you to pray with you, to have a moment, to help you take that next step and have that encounter with Jesus. Father, thank you so much for sharing with us in your eternal word through the writing of Luke this story about these guys who had no hope, who were disappointed, who were disappointed in you, God, who were disillusioned with you, who were discouraged because you didn't do what they thought. Lord, thank you for sharing that with us because we can so relate to that. God, if we're honest, we would all say there's times in our lives where we haven't understood you and we've been disappointed. But Lord, thank you that you are the eternal God of the universe who knows the end from the beginning, who has a better plan than us. And thank you for your grace and mercy that even in our hopelessness, even when we're distraught and even in the middle of our doubts, you send Jesus. Thank you that Jesus came and died for us. And thank you so much that he conquered the grave and rose again. And thank you that he wants a relationship with us and an encounter with us. And Lord, I pray today for all those in the room who said that prayer, that you give them strength and courage moving forward, even today, to get some prayer, to have somebody start the journey with them. Lord, thank you. 
for being here with us today as we celebrated your resurrection in Jesus' name. Amen.